You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the VolQuest podcast where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every Thursday here at VolQuest.com and VolQuest on the YouTube channel. Please like and subscribe this video. Let's help uh, get more followers and subscribers to the channel. Let's get this video out to more and more Tennessee fans. Uh, it's a big help for us. Also, uh, rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. Leave us a positive review. All that stuff goes a long way in helping grow the VolQuest podcast. Brent Hubs, Rob Lewis, Matt Ray, I am Eric Kane. A big thanks to Exterior Home Solutions for always making this possible. We've got a full bank of questions to get into, so we'll dive right down into it. CN31 starts us off. Florida, D.C., Georgia, O.C. leaving for the NFL this year and Matt Luke retiring a year or so ago. Is this the start of more to come from college football coaches without the schedule change, or is it part of the head coach they coach for in combination with the recruiting schedule. Brent, you've talked about this many times. Unless there's change, you believe this will continue to happen. Yeah, I, I think it's absolutely going to continue to happen. Um, why did all of those guys leave? Well, some of it's for a better opportunity. Some of it may be the environment that they're working in. And for a lot of guys, it's a better lifestyle. I mean, Matt Luke retired just to be around his family because uh, of what the grind was. Georgia's co-defensive coordinator is interviewing uh, or interviewed on Thursday with the uh, Wednesday, it should say, with, with the Philadelphia Eagles. They may lose another one to the NFL. I, I just think, you know, Matt, when you look at the calendar and you look at what it's doing to coaches right now, um, they had basically four weeks off, three weekends off in February, uh, and they won't get any more weekends off until July. Uh, and then they'll get four off in July, and then they won't get any more off until next February. It's a grind, and it's hard on guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, we you've touched on it several times, Brent, and I think at the end of the day, look, these guys get paid a lot of money, right? They get paid a lot of money to do what they want, but, you know, with that, you know, comes 24-7, 365 on the recruiting trail, Christmas Day, New Year's Day, Mama's birthday, whoever – you know, have something going on, you've still got to recruit kids that day. And I've heard this multiple times. I think I've mentioned it before. Now, I've had coaches say, can't really go to the movies because if a kid calls, I have to go out and take the call because who knows what's it, what it's about. And if I don't take it, they may pick up a phone and call a coach, you know, in another school and they take it and, and it flips things in that recruitment. So, you know, that's, that's just the nature of it. And, and I think it is a grind and it's going to continue to wear coaches out. I mean, so many states and so much time away for family would wear anybody out. But, Rob, they brought some of this on themselves a little bit, too, by, by being at every back and call and creating that expectation, uh, regardless of your sport, that it's a drop-everything moment if you get a text or a phone call or you have to be in, in every gym every time somebody plays or on a field every time, you know. I mean, think about it. I mean, they, they went and watched – coaches around the country went and watched signees play in January. They're done. There's not. There's nothing else to watch. I mean, yeah. they're yours. Well, I mean, it's just it's just keeping up with the Joneses. I mean, it, you know, 
it wasn't this way 20 years ago, but then, and and I'm just throwing this out there, but I mean, Trooper Taylor, however, you remember he, he went, what, what did he do with Ontario Hardesty? Like went to a track meet and then like rode seven hours with his family, like back home from the state track meet to, to Ontario's house. And this was, I mean, it was groundbreaking. Then what was that? 2006, 2005, or whatever. But, and now then that could happen. You could have a story like that. I bet from, you know, a school every weekend, almost, you know, in November or December. And it's just, you know, it, like Matt said, if you don't, if you don't take that phone call, somebody else is, I mean, if, or if you don't, you know, if you don't go to that high school basketball game, somebody else from some other school is, and it's just, you know, you, you just got to, you're like a hamster, you know, on, on the wheel. And you just got to keep, keep grinding, keep, keep trying just, just trying to keep up. Yeah. And, and I think I, Eric, I, I mean, I think a lot of guys are, are going to continue to look at the NFL as a possibility because oh, I, just, I mean, I don't think there's any comparison. Yeah. They, they've got enough college friends you know, coaches, colleagues who are in college who have gone on to the NFL who are telling them, hey, yeah, what are you doing this weekend? Well, I'm, I'm coaching my kid's little league team. You know, I'm going to my kid, I'm going to my kid's flag game or, or I'm going to Wee Ball or I'm going to lacrosse or we're going to the mountains or whatever. What are you doing? Well, we got another junior day or, or we've got we've got a seven on seven van passing through sometimes Saturday evening. Just have to be, be here to or, say hello. They could be yeah. there at 11 p.m., but they're coming through uh, on, on a college trip, on a tour from one tournament to another tournament. And they got 12 kids in the van, and we're recruiting one of them. Maybe. Uh, but I've got to be here. We're evaluating one of them in yeah. some cases. Yeah, you're right. And, and again, right. like during this whole thing, we haven't even talked about the month of December, which is just absolutely brutal with everything going on, not just with the recruiting calendar, but now with the transfer portal and – uh, with name, image, and likeness, having to interview every single player on your roster and trying to essentially retain and recruit those guys to stay on, it's wild. It's something I would never want to do, that's for sure. Let's go to Dirk Diggler. A couple of recruiting things here. How are we feeling about uh, Marcus Gorey? I think he's underrated and possibly a top three player in Tennessee. And then also, uh, he asked, can Tennessee get most of their secondary needs for 2024 done with in-state players? Matt, you look, you've already got two in-state defensive backs. Um, you got Kamaro Brown, who's another defensive back out in Memphis that Tennessee really likes. You got Boo Carter, of course, he's an athlete. That's something I talked about on Tuesday. I think Tennessee can do a lot, not every one probably, but Tennessee can do a lot in the secondary in the state of Tennessee in 2024. Yeah, you you could see the the bulk of this class you know, come in the defensive back uh, group come from the in-state. Like you said, you have Caleb Beasley, you just had Marcus Gorey. Boo Carter is an athlete, but you know he he likes the idea of playing safety at the next level. Uh, Kamaro Brown is another guy that I think is an athlete, but Tennessee likes him in the defensive backfield. And, and both those guys, you know, you have to feel pretty good about where Tennessee is with those guys right now. So um, you, you you could see, you know, I think Tennessee continue to to work, you know, outside, but they're they're going to build a portion of this, you know, in state. DB class if they can. So at the end of the day, I think that, you know, getting Marcus Gorey now and being able to further on that moving forward is, is big for Tennessee. He has a good relationship with Boo Carter. It, it shifts some of your narrative there. So, and then you know, with Marcus, it's a big ad, you know, I think for Tennessee. They're, they're excited about him. He's one of the top guys. They offered Marcus in camp. And I think he is an underrated guy. He's continued to see his stock climb. But, man, you talk to the people at Bradley Central and they rave about Marcus Gorey. They just, you know, length, athleticism, embraces physicality, leads by example. You just hear all these things. And 
I, I think he's a guy that's just starting to scratch the surface of his potential as a football player. Sam Smith, 2233, he's got a couple. Uh, Brent, tell me if I'm wrong here. He wants to know with Lindsey Nelson Stadium renovations, keeping the turf or going back to grass, they're going to keep that turf. They're yeah, Tony Vitello would revolt, revolt on somebody, yeah. I think, if they pulled the turf out. I mean, the number of games that they've saved from rainouts uh, is pretty phenomenal. The ability to do camps in there and, and make, make your money a lot of money. camps because you don't have to cancel is big. The bigger thing that for the coaches is you, you don't lose days on the field in practice because the ground's too wet. And, and so you have to go to the complex and you got to go at a different time because football's working out or somebody else has got something going on in there and you don't have a – you don't have a diamond, you know, in the inside in the complex. So, yeah, there's. I don't think you'll ever see grass back at, at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Um, that, look, a lot of coaches prior to Tony Vitello wanted turf, and they just never could get it done just because of the way the weather is at East Tennessee. Rob, is there any benefit of playing Triple J and Phillips Saturday against an outmatched South Carolina team? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think you you don't want the first time they play to be against. You know, Arkansas, the first time they played in three weeks. So, yeah, I mean, if they're healthy, I mean, yeah, I would definitely play them. You played no and win the game, and this team needs wins, Rob Lewis. <laughs> man, I, would, I don't know why – I mean, I don't know why anybody would assume that South Carolina's a gimme. Yeah. <laughs> I play my best guys. Yeah. And you're, and you're still trying to play for that double bye. So, I mean, you got plenty to play for. You, go, you better go win basketball games. So, as soon as they can play, I'm putting them on the court. Yeah. Ball underscore I underscore am. What kind of timeline do we think about the three permanent opponents and uh, when they'll be chosen and announced? Uh, I think, Brent, I think Rob or I think Greg Sankey said a couple of weeks ago on ESPN radio that by the, the destined meetings, the spring meetings, that's that's when they want to have it announced, right? Yeah, I think it'll be done this spring. It may be at Destin when they get that's announced. That's what I think. Um, you know, uh, he, he better he better put. You better put some security detail around him when he announces it. Down. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, I, I think it'll probably get announced there to create some news at that event. Man, I, I, I and that's the a, biggest storyline going into spring meetings, Rob. Hubbard, I mean, I think it's an SEC Network one-hour special. No, oh, yeah. I'm not joking. I mean, no. That's a 100% content goldmine for, for when it would come out, you know, that, that time of year. Well, and here's the thing. if you, I mean, if you're going to make it an event like that, which I think I'm with you, um, look, you do it at a venue where all those coaches are. So you're trying to get reaction. Yeah. From guys. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I, I think if you, if you're the sec, you get that new television deal going in place. I'm absolutely doing a, a, a survivor event there. Right. We're For going sure. To drop, and let's, and let's get, careful. I'm anxiously waiting to see Nick Saban's response to getting LSU, Tennessee and Auburn. That's just, <laughs> as his, his <laughs> hey, but you're right. I mean, every college football fan would be tuning into watching that. I mean, you talk about, excuse me, uh, ratings galore there for that one-hour special. It'd be insane. Let's go to Nashville 615. Uh, Matt, what five-star recruits in 2024 does Tennessee have a legit shot at landing, and what recruits top 50 nationally? Yeah, so I start offensively. I think the the headliner right now that Tennessee's in the best position with is obviously Ryan Wingo. They've continued to, to be in a good spot there for a little while. He's going to take some more visits in the spring. Um you know, but it's going to be closer to home. He had, he had planned originally, had told us originally that he would be back out here in March, but his track schedule most likely isn't going to allow that right now. Um, but 
for, for Tennessee offensively, it starts with Ryan Wingo, in my opinion. And then defensively, I think the headliner right now, the guy the Vols are in the best position with, is Camarion Franklin in terms of that category of guys. There's still a lot of work to do there, a lot of schools coming in, a lot of schools recruiting him hard. But Rodney Garner is, is connected well with, with Cam Franklin and put a lot of time in there already and, and feels like the Vols are deep in that one. Um, and then elsewhere, just to name a few guys that they're heavily involved with, um, Jordan Marshall obviously is is the top guy right now at, at running back, in my opinion. They'll continue to swing at Jarrett Gibson, but you know he's one of the most unpredictable guys in this class, in my opinion. They're, they're, they're involved with Mike Matthews. Uh, he should be back up in March. They're involved with Sammy Brown. You know, he, he just hasn't really said much on where he's going, but it feels like – Everybody's chasing Clemson and then Georgia in that one right now. Uh, Williams, Waneri, another guy, a highly rated guy that, that Tennessee got to campus in January and made an impression with and has continued to have conversation with the staff. That should um, be back out at some point in the spring. But, again, that's, that's another big-time battle that's it's pretty unpredictable right now. Yeah, I think the Sammy Brown thing is going to be interesting, Matt, to see where he visits in May and April. Uh, because of, of of wrestling and everything he did in the winter, and he, he just won the, the state and won his weight classification and, and his school classification state title for the second straight year. He didn't he didn't visit anywhere in January. He's not seen a school um, since last summer, and so uh, what where he goes this spring, I think is going to be interesting. There are East Tennessee ties with his mom's side of the family. How much will that play into? I don't know. I still think Georgia, Clemson, Tennessee may be in there a little further than, than some people give them credit for. But yeah, I think so too. to me, that one doesn't get real unless he's back on Tennessee's campus sometime this spring when he gets out and sees some schools. But there are some ties there with him. Yeah, I think that's – I think I'm like you, Brent. I think that's key is for, for him to get back to campus and, and reconnect and, and see where things are because, uh, he's like you said, he just hasn't seen any schools. He, he wrestled and, you know, he, he put all of his – time and effort into becoming a two-time state champion. Wrong-handed says, do you think Barnes's offensive system is effective enough to make a deep run in the big dance? Do you think there is any chance he ever brings in an assistant to help modernize his offense, more free throws, less mid-range, et cetera? He just, he just hired an assistant that spent the last quarter of a century in the NBA running a front office. I mean, go go listen to Buzz Williams talk about Coach Barnes and his offensive system in his post game last night. Play players, 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 players. I mean, I, I, I just, I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to. <laughs> I mean, I think the system. I don't care what system Tennessee's running right now. When you're when the only guy you've got that can beat somebody off the dribble is five foot nine and can't finish at the rim, and you're missing two five star players who on the wings who are six seven, six eight, or your longest, most athletic guys. You're you're not going to look as good as you do, so I, I'm I'm not smart enough about basketball to to talk about this system versus that system, but I, for for me it, it's a personnel issue with Tennessee right now. I mean, you take two five star recruits off who are starters off anybody's roster. And let's you know let's see how they do in a, in a Power Five conference. Yeah, I don't know what an offensive system is in basketball. I can tell you defense, right? I mean, you, you know, Jim Beheim's got a system. Shaka Smart's got a system with the press that he plays, but but in terms of offensive systems, I, I don't know. I don't. I mean, high ball screen. You know. I mean, I mean, so so much changes on based off who you're playing to. Yeah, right? I mean, it's I mean, matchup. You've got it's, a it's, you, you have a philosophy, and some you know, right? Some, some things you hang your hat on, but 
so you're not playing, you know, you're not trying to do the same things against Kentucky that you're trying to do against Florida or, you know, or right. whatever. There's so much it changes game to game. Again, and, I, and I, change, I think. And it changes year to year what your roster looks like, right? I mean, if you if you've got – you got a bunch of three-point shooters, you're really good three-point shooters. You're going to play it differently than you are in a year where you've got a seven-footer in the post who can come close to averaging a double-double. I mean, it just depends on matchups and roster, right, Rob? On offense, to me, end? to me, it does. I mean, I don't mean to oversimplify. It. I mean, you, yeah, I mean, you could draw something up coming out of a timeout, you know, a, a specific a specific play. But you know, I, w- I would bet you a lot of times Tennessee's not or any any college team is not running a specific set, you know, every time down, down court. I mean, they're responding to, you know, to the looks they're getting they're, they're you know, maybe they're running a pick and roll. I mean, they're, they're setting screens the same way they, you know, they, they set them trying to get somebody open. But, but to me, the system talk is, is way overrated. I mean, it's, you've got a five, nine point guard. Who's, who's the only guy that can take somebody off the dribble that's healthy right now. And Tennessee to me is pretty easy to guard. I mean, you could. I mean, you, you could bring Pat Riley in here. I don't, I don't know that you're going to you know, shake things up a lot. Yeah, you don't have to double the post, so you don't have ever. to come off. You don't have to come off Vescovy ever if you don't want to. You can you can big boy and try to push around uh, Ziegler and not let him get a perimeter jumper, and then you know rim protect on, on the back end. And, and the coat and the post players are are you know up and down. I mean. The biggest thing for Tennessee right now for me is if you call a timeout, who are you drawing something up for anyway? Exactly. And I, I love Jemai Meshack. Well, I mean, I think great kid, super bright future. But how, I mean, when, when that's your two guard or, or one of your wings opposite Santi, what's your spacing going to look like? I mean, why am I, why am I guarding Jemai Meshack 23 feet for the basket? I'm not. I mean, yeah, the fact that Santi got three open looks from three, three clearly open looks from three in the second half were complete and utter – defensive breakdowns by Texas A&M should have never happened. He was the only one you had to worry about to me. All right, we'll move on to Xander. He's got a couple of football questions here, so we'll hit them kind of rapid fire. Um, anyone standing out from off-season workouts, Brent, that you've heard from? Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, everybody's talked about Thornton and, and what he's been able to do, the transfer from Oregon. Um you know, I, I think that um, he's been a little bit slowed with some with some soreness the last you know week or so, but it's no concern or issue there. But he, he's shown enough this offseason that they certainly like where he's at and where he's going. Um, but, you know, for so many of those guys, it's, it's it's about what you look like when you put on pads. 
You know, I mean, it's it's can you play with physicality? I mean, you can't make an assessment on David Hobbs right now. Is he athletic and run and pretty? Yes. But but what kind of leverage does he play with? How, how does he use his pads? Same thing for those offensive linemen. Um, so your skill guys are generally the ones that jump out, you know, out of the gate. I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of coaches excited about where they are athletically in the back end and athletically at linebacker. But a linebacker position is another one. You got to see with pads and see some physicality. Not negating the question, I've just in 30 years of getting burned by getting hyped up over somebody or, or telling people to get fired up over somebody who's running around pretty in shorts and T-shirts, you, you got to see some pads. Um, I don't think there's any disappointment. I don't think anybody's looking at this going, man, they're a million miles away uh, or anything like that, Eric. But at the same time, too, at some point you got to play football to know whether a guy can play football. Hubbard, yeah, there's is also it, is those it, camp it, heroes as well. Gonna, and is this the hardest they've ever worked in the offseason? Yeah, I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, don't, don't you want to uh, – you still wait. I'm looking forward to going to Nashville to hear a coach say, man, I'll tell you what, we had the worst offseason you've ever seen in college <laughs> just, football. Just stuck in I mud mean, in February. We, we stuck in mud. We didn't we – had like, we had like 20 kids show up for workouts. We had about 60 who just bailed on us and never came. Uh, they had no desire. They've got no grit, no heart. We have no leadership. We don't have a playmaker on either side of the ball. I mean, we, we look like little giants out there in the line of scrimmage from a <laughs> physicality standpoint. We can't play with anybody. I've seen that movie. That, that's that, that's one of that, that's what you're looking for. Instead, it's going to be it's the hardest they've ever worked. Great leadership on this team, um, and, and you know they're ahead of where they've you know where they ahead of where they were a year ago. So uh, it all counts when you start putting on pads. And and look, I think there's a lot of intrigue in spring when you put on pads and see what some guys look like. That's when the test is going to find out. And I think there's a lot to learn about this football team in spring practice. It's just right now, let, let's get it, Let's get them to the field and see how that translates for, for these 19 newcomers, including those transfers. Are all the coaches safe going into the season or any needing to show improvements to stay? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're all going to be here unless somebody takes an NFL job or something. I mean, there's – there's no shakeup coming on the staff. I think he means. I think he means like is anybody on the hot seat? Meaning like, if their position group doesn't perform this upcoming season, they could be fired. I mean, I don't know. I mean, let's. It's hard know. to say now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think the growth of of Tim Banks' defense the last two years has been good. They've got to play better in the back end. Okay. Uh, they've got to play tighter coverage in the back end and the secondary. They got to play with a little more um, confidence back there. Uh, they probably would have more confidence if they can get to the quarterback off the edge without having to blitz everybody. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, I think that's the biggest area of improvement. A year ago, it was third down defense, right? It, it was red zone defense. They improved in both of those stats. Now the question is, um, you know, can, can they improve over – can they make more plays on the ball in, in the back end of the secondary? And can they get the help up front to do that? Hey, I wrote a story about all that stuff like three months ago, and one of these days we're going to run it, and it breaks all that stuff down to show how they've improved. So It's going to run this afternoon. How about that? Okay, there we go. Love it. That wasn't a shot at you. I just thought it was funny. Uh, that was a shot at you. Just kidding. Let's go to Max Salesman. <laughs> it totally was. I'm glad you feel better about yourself. Uh, obviously, I need that sometimes. What do you guys think about Tennessee becoming a real hot spot for, the most, for most of the top-ranked quarterback prospects and the coming year with Josh Hopple being so successful and developing that position, do you think the top guys will be willing to sit and learn for a year or two? Or do you think most of them will chase the NIL money? Matt, if you want to kick this off. I don't know. I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening that way. I think Tennessee will continue to recruit and land really good quarterbacks. 
Um, you know, but I think there's, you know, going to be years where you have that in-between year, you know, where you have to trust your evaluation and, and get a guy and, you know, lock in on them. And, you know, regardless of you know what the outside noise looks like, who else is offered. Because I think it's just going to be really hard. The, the coaching carousel, you know, continues to, you know, make changes and shift around year in, year out. And kids are going to follow coaches elsewhere. They're going to have the opportunity to go in and start places as a freshman. I think it's just going to be harder to stack top tier quarterback year after year after year, um, you know, on a roster. We'll see. You know, I think obviously Josh Hopple has a good selling point. You know, if he, if he, if you have Joe Milton that has a really good year and then you go right into Nico and he performs and, and lives up to, you know, his expectations, then I think that becomes, you know, a more realistic conversation. But I think it's hard uh, across the country. I mean, I think if Caleb Williams at USC had another year and wasn't you know going pro after this year, uh, does Malachi Nelson end up, you know, flirting with Texas A&M more than he did in the end? And, and is he in, you know, College Station over being in, in Southern Cal? So I, I think it's going to be very interesting. The guys are just going to have to keep their options open at the end of the day. I just don't – I mean, there's just – there's only one football and yeah. I just think we're we're in a world where nobody wants to set Rob. I, I just don't think that that's going to. I mean, what George has had locked up behind Stetson Bennett the last couple of years is bizarre. I mean, for those guys to all stay, I don't think they're all staying coming out of this spring. I, I mean, Kirby can say that he doesn't have a starter, but I don't think all of them are going to stay there coming out of spring pra- after spring practice is over and the next window opens. Maybe they do, but but it would surprise me a little bit. I think the other thing too is. It it would help it would help Josh Heupel that Hendon Hooker can go have some success in the NFL too, that, mm-hmm. you know, so that it translates you know the, to the way that it needs to because you know Josh Heupel doesn't have that one guy in the NFL at the quarterback position that that everybody goes oh he he learned under Josh Heupel not that Josh Heupel's bad or his quarterbacks are bad he just hasn't had one really hit in the NFL Drew Locke was not that guy. Yeah, I was going to – I'm with Matt and, and you guys both. I mean, I think it's going to be – I mean, I could be proven wrong, but I don't think you're going to stack five stars up on five stars anymore. But to your point about – if we're sitting here in three three years from now and Hendon's a starting quarterback in the NFL, if you got Joe Milton drafted and Nico is a first-team All-SEC all quarterback, then then I think you're, you're – you know, you've put yourself on a different level. Well, I think you put yourself in the conversation with the elites – you know, I, I think I think elite quarterbacks are interested in your school at, at that point each, each and every year. I don't think that means you stack them, you know, year after year in terms of signing them. But you're going to be in conversations with guys with the elite quarterbacks every year if that happens because your resume yeah. is so strong. Like like when Nico is going to be a rising junior, then you're going to be you're going to be able to get in on you know whoever's the, you know the, the cream of the crop. Let's go to Atheron here. He's got a couple. Let's move through them quickly. Uh, since defensive backs have been the talk of the last couple of classes because of the, of the poor secondary play, who are the true corners Tennessee is recruiting for this class? Uh, Kamaro Brown, you mentioned, is an athlete, but they like him at corner. Boo Carter's an athlete. Caleb Beasley's a corner. Marcus Gorey's an athlete, but they love him at corner. Yep. Is that kind of how you see it? Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of how I see it right now. There's some other guys out there. Um, you know that they'll they'll continue to recruit if he you know from from Maryland he's he's a corner he can play all across the secondary and you know they continue to to be involved there and he likes to see but yeah that's that's kind of how I see it Eric I think you're pretty spot on there uh, is Jordan Marshall or somebody unknown as the uh, is the no for the potential running back it's it's Tennessee is the big fish Jordan Marshall or somebody else doesn't seem like 
the other two big names aren't factors unless they get them back on campus. Yeah, so I'm assuming the other big name outside of Gibson is is Daniel Hill in this one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. I think Tennessee has to continue to, to get those guys back on campus. Daniel Hill, it just, again, didn't work out in January to get him out here. Uh, Gibson, again, unpredictable. And I don't think anybody thought he would visit for Florida, then turn around and be right back for Alabama. But there he was, you know, um, and he had a good time for both. But where does he go when things open up in March? That will be really interesting to see. I think right now it's Jordan Marshall and then behind him, Tennessee continues to have good conversation with Braylon Russell and Kevin Riley out of Alabama. So those are the five, the names kind of on the board for me to watch right now. I would love it if Matt would just say, I don't know to one of these. (laughs) He knows everything about recruiting. Uh, Rob, if basketball team gets their act together, what is the best seeding in terms of potential matchups for Tennessee three or four? I mean, I would always prefer to be, a higher seed. So no, I mean, if you're a three seed, you don't play the one seed in your bracket. Um, you know, in the Sweet 16, you catch them in, in the Elite Eight. I mean, it, I think it's, I mean, I, I think it's a no-brainer. You'd rather be a three seed than a four, and I think that's the best Tennessee could do right now. I mean, I, you know, there's a million other schools out there. You know, different things could happen, but I, if Tennessee comes out of this with a three seed at this point, uh, I think they are. They might have won the tournament in Nashville. We're only for life. has got a couple of baseball questions. Why well, no Camden Sewell this past weekend? Yeah, Camden's, Camden's fine. He's going to pitch this year. Um, he, he's a, a little sore, so they're just being overly precautious with him, especially in these non-conference games when they're going to throw him a lot in SEC play. So Camden's fine, uh, but just, just a little sore. So obviously the sample size for 2023 is tiny, but some SEC play. Who do you see getting the majority of playing time at catcher? Uh, yeah, Tony had kind of an interesting comment Tuesday night after the midweek saying you kind of get a good feel for these guys in preseason and scrimmage and all that, and then you put them out there in the games, and that he was talking about that in a, in a question relating to Cal Stark. So um, I, I think both he and um, and Charlie Taylor are going to be the one-two punch. I think they'll almost split the catching duties. When Stark is not catching, there's a lot of times his bat will be in there at DH. He's a player. I wrote about it in the 3-2-1 that they're, they're going to play him because he can hit. And so I think it's still going to be split, but I think it's, um, you know, Stark, I think is going to have his bats in the lineup, you know, majority of the week somehow. And lastly, there was talk this offseason about Jared Dickey getting some work behind the plates. Have they given up on that idea? Uh, yeah, Jared Dickey pretty much is an outfielder. He still catches bullpens. He's an emergency catcher, um, but but his work is primarily going to go in the outfield. Hey, hey Eric. Eric before- Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Rob. I got a follow-up. Go ahead. Well, I, I just, I just, I don't know if this is going to be in the mailbag, but I just want to know while we're on baseball, are you going to address the the beard shaving at all by Tony V? Because I don't, I don't know that Mrs. Lewis has been this upset since Desperate Housewives got canceled. <laughs> there is, like, in, there's surprisingly been a lot of talk about that. Yeah, I, I I'm not going to address it, but uh, certainly will, it is. Will, it will is you ask him? Will you ask him that? Ask him about it this weekend. Yeah, PC, and okay. tell him that. Tell them that women of a certain age in Knoxville are, are just b- beside themselves. <laughs> What's up, Brent? I was going to ask on a base on a baseball. Although Rob's question is probably of more importance to to people out there than my question. But yeah. from a catching standpoint, would there be a situation where somebody's catching because a pitcher is more comfortable with that guy? Like like you know because because you have these three heavy hitters for the weekend. If they have a preference, does the guy go behind the plate for one of those guys? 
or do you think that they're both equal and that's not an issue? No, I think that's a good question. I think uh, Charlie Taylor is going to catch Chase Dolander. Um, now, you know, it's he's made one start, uh, but that's the talk right now. It seems like those two guys have built up a rapport over the offseason. They're very comfortable with one another. So uh, if I'm a betting man right now, I bet Charlie Taylor is going to be your catcher on Friday nights with, with Chase Dolander. But, of course, that can always change. You know, Stark and Miller and even Dickey, I mean, they've, they've caught everybody. So it, it shouldn't be like one of those situations where they don't want someone catching them. But I can see Charlie Taylor being paired off with – with uh, Chase Dolander, just like, oh, what was his name? Was it Henry Blanco was the catcher for Greg Maddox for so long? Hubbard's there got that go. one. Actually, yeah. if, you ask, if you ask Hubbard who caught Opie in Little League, he, he, <laughs> he, could, he, could, he could probably tell you. He, he could rattle off Opie's war, like, war stats from, from the 1963 I, Little I, League I'm, season. Hey, I'm lost at catcher for the Braves since Bruce Benedict retired and became an official for a while, so – and, and he, he he was an okay catcher, and he was not a very good SEC official. So, <laughs> uh, Odom wants to know: Could Andre Turrentine get significant playing time this year? Can he play corner? I think he can, but he's not a corner. No, I don't think he's a corner, Matt. I, I think he's a safety guy, and yeah. uh, we'll see what that safety thing looks like come into spring. I mean, that that should be one of the fascinating competitions. I don't think it'll be settled, but we'll see what kind of pecking order where they think they are. I think this is a big spring for, for Andre Turrentine, but, um, you know, he's got to take full advantage of every rep that he gets out there this spring. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's going to be a big spring for him. Uh, going back to watching him in high school, I, I don't I don't think he's a corner at the end of the day. I think he's got to fight a you know, spot at safety and, and make the most of, of every rep he gets this spring. Uh, we'll do a couple more here. Um, this is from TN Vol. Matt, we'll stay with you. Who are the defensive line prospects that Tennessee has the best shot with? You've already mentioned Cam Franklin, a couple others, but who are those guys? Yeah, Cam Franklin, obviously. Um, Cameron Fountain out of Atlanta, a guy that continues to see his stock rise coming out of his junior season. Uh, t- Tennessee's you know, close to the top in that one, if not at the top right now. Um, you know, a lot of other schools you know, continuing to get involved, and this is going to be a big offseason for him. Uh, but the Vols are in a really good spot there right now. Uh, Jeremiah's heard, went and saw him. Tennessee, the only offer there, but uh, you just feel like competition's going to get much stiffer in, in the coming months for, for Jeremiah's heard. I mean, he is my, – my first time seeing him in person, he is a legitimate six-foot-eight. 285 and and he can move the, the it's it's all there um you know he he's been contacted by alabama kirby flew the helicopter in to see him georgia tech's Uh-oh. trying to get him to campus so all these schools trying to get him to campus in march and the main thing you know for him is that they want to see him they want to see him on campus and, and he knows that he knows that they want to see him on campus they want to they want to measure him out and, and go through all these things and he expects the offers to come at that point but, you know, Tennessee continues to be in a good spot there for him. And the thing with him is he he's open to playing both sides of the football. When you start talking about six foot eight, 285 you know, trim, he, he can play offensive tackle. And he said Alabama's even mentioned tied into him, um, which I thought was interesting. So, you know, he's a guy to watch going into the spring, in my opinion. Uh, Quintavious Johnson out of uh, Georgia is another guy. Uh, Williams, one uh, Danny Okoye. 
you know, Tennessee made good strides with those. Okoye, more of an edge, but can kind of play that Byron Young role with his hand in the dirt, stand up when you need him to, do a lot of things. He already looks college ready. So, so those guys are the ones that popped to mind right away. Let's end here on hoops from CN31. Rob, when Josiah Jordan-James and Julian Phillips return to this team, go to more aggressive driving to the basketball style to get the baskets or get to the free throw line, shooting is proven to be inconsistent, and free throws can help out on a bad night. Oh, I mean, sure, I'm in favor of that in, in theory, but, I mean, Josiah's been here four years. I mean, how many times have you seen him put his head down and, you know, get get to the rail? I mean, he'll do it occasionally, but that's – that's not his bread and butter. And as far as Julian, I wish Julian would do that 10 times a game. And he's got a, I mean, he's an NBA wing, you know, in, in the embryo right now. I mean, he's got the first step. He's got the athleticism. He handles it well enough. I mean, I, I wish Julian would had much more of a slasher mentality because to me, he, he's Tennessee's best option. I mean, I mentioned earlier, he's like, hi, I can beat anybody off the dribble, but you know, what, what's he going to do when he gets in there? I mean, Julian can get get by his man with with the dribble, and he's got the athleticism. He's got the length to, you know, if he, if he doesn't finish, I mean, he, he's, he's Tennessee's best guy by far at drawing fouls. So, wow. yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate of it, but, you know, can it ha- they have the personnel to do it, and the best guy on your team doing it, will Julian, you know, commit to doing that? Yeah, and Josiah in 100 career games has 171 free throw attempts. That's a, that's a great stat. Over. I mean, it's just not his game. I mean, no. you know, and it's not because somebody on that bench wearing a, a quarter zip is telling him, hey, stand around the perimeter and shoot jump shots. And they would love for him to put his head down and go to the rim. Uh, you know, and love for him to play offensive basketball in the paint more. It's just not his game. It's just not, it's not where he's comfortable. He's comfortable with jump shots on the perimeter and – the stats bear that out when you look at the number of threes he's taken versus the number of, of free throws he's shot. He's got over 400 career threes, and he's got, like I said, 171 free throws and 100 games played. Tennessee basketball returns home Saturday against South Carolina, 6 o'clock tip. Rob, just quickly, I mean, that this is a ginormous game for so well, many different it, reasons, right? Absolutely. I mean, you, you would think it would be a laydown, but, you know, South LSU is no good, but South Carolina did go on the road. And, and when there, you know, Tennessee just absolutely dominated South Carolina the first time around in Columbia. But, you know, who, who's healthy? What's – what's? I, I think the middle stuff is, is overblown. I mean, I think the locker room, I think all that stuff is is fine. I mean, guys guys are down and, and upset about losing four or five, but I don't, I don't think there's any, you know, infighting, finger-pointing, all that kind of stuff. But it's, it's crucial. I mean, they need a win for, you know, some very concrete reasons. I mean, they need to stay – in the top four in the SEC, they need need that double buy, and after, and it's tough next week. I mean, Arkansas is, is all over the map, but they're one hundred percent capable of kept coming in to Knoxville and winning. And Auburn has been a house of horrors for, for Tennessee in the last you know five six years. So that that road trip as your season finale is as tough as it gets for this team. That'll do it here for this edition of the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. For Brent Hubs, Rob Lewis, Matt Ray, I'm Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys uh, tuning in, sending us in those questions every single week, and uh, watching us here on YouTube where you can like and please subscribe to the channel. Let's continue to build this channel. A very special thank you to our friends over at Exterior Home Solutions. 
They make this podcast and, and the one on Tuesday possible. For a free estimate, you can give our friends at Exterior Home Solutions a call today at 865-524-5888. That is 865-524-5888. From the guys here, we thank you so much. We'll be back on Tuesday with another VolQuest podcast. we got plenty of coverage throughout the rest of the week for hoops, for baseball, all that and more. It's always at VolQuest.com. Appreciate it, guys, and have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.